Have you ever wondered what Google looks at when it's trying to decide whether it's going to rank a web page within its search engine results? If you're like me, I look at this and I obsess over what does Google want now? So today we're going to learn about Google's EEAT framework and how you as an SEO or a business owner can better align your content to this framework so that Google can better understand your content. Welcome to the EMJ SEO podcast, where it's all about you learning SEO so that you can rank in Google. Hey, it's Matt Hepburn. I'm an SEO professional with 13 years of experience working as a consultant, working in large and small agency. And for the past seven years, I've been working in the enterprise sector for some of the biggest brands out there. I provide SEO tips for beginners, and I tell you straight out what's going to work and what's not going to. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides link building through podcast episode show note links. If you're looking to support Google's EEAT framework for your SEO, you can build links as an expert, educating from your experience on podcast guest interviews. Let your links to your website stand out from the crowd visit us at interviewbookers.com. Today's guest is Lily Ray. She is the SEO director of AMSIV Digital, and she can be found educating SEOs at events such as PubCon, SEO on the Beach, MozCon, SEO Meetups, Local U, and many, many more. Here's Lily talking about AMSIV Digital and her team's focus on EEAT. Yeah, so I am the Senior SEO Director and Head of Organic Research at an agency called Amps of Digital, and we're based in New York City as well as Nashville and around the U.S. Um, I have been doing SEO for about 13 years now and oversee the SEO department at this agency. Um, I've done a lot of things in my career, mostly focused on agency SEO, but the team that I'm working on currently that I oversee is very focused on EEAT, which we'll talk about today. Uh, a lot of up, uh, algorithm update related, you know, work that we're doing for clients, a lot of audits and things like that. But we do all types of SEO projects for clients. So I was wondering if you could tell what does EEAT mean? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So it stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. Um, Google recently added the first E for experience in December, and this acronym originates from Google search quality guidelines, which is a document that Google uh, has used to train uh, its search quality evaluators for several years and made public around 2014 or 2015. Google does these tests and evaluations uh, consistently throughout the year around the world, and these human search quality evaluators read this document to get an understanding of how they're supposed to basically evaluate how well Google's results are doing in terms of meeting their expectations for like good, you know, user experience, good content quality. And the document is very, very clear about what it means to be a good quality page, bad quality page. And basically EEAT is the framework that they use to evaluate a lot of this content. So depending on the topic on the page, depending on you know, the the sensitivity of the information, um, 
different levels of EEAT are expected from site owners. So a lot of the work that we do in the SEO space is to try to like button up our sites as much as possible to best demonstrate experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. In this section, Lily talks about how the EEAT framework can affect the ranking of your pages and your website within Google search engine results. Yeah, so Google's pretty clear that it's going to matter more, like EEAT will matter more depending on the nature of what your site is talking about and kind of the the category that you're in. So the extent to which your site can potentially cause harm to its readers or to users or even to society, EEAT matters much more. So that's kind of a new definition for how they apply EEAT because not every site on the internet or not every content creator needs to necessarily be concerned with it. Um, but if you're if you're dealing with information that has the potential to cause harm, which is kind of a subjective thing, right? Um, you have to really do a good job demonstrating EEAT. So some of the categories that fall into potentially causing harm are a lot of different things because it could be, you know, news and misinformation is a big one. It could be the safety of certain products. It could be, um, you know, conspiracy theories, obviously. There's uh, legal information, medical information. So a lot of content touches on what we call your money or your life. Right. Uh, like topics. But again, the more that you touch on those types of topics, the more that you have to concern yourself with the EAT. Want to know the most common issues that Lily sees on websites and content around EEAT? This section of the podcast goes directly into this issue. So, you know, it's been a number of years that like site owners and marketers and SEO professionals have been paying attention to these kind of new guidelines from Google. So a lot of sites nowadays are pretty familiar with some of the best practices, like, you know, listing who your authors are and why you should trust them and why they're experienced. But many sites still could do more, right? So, um, you know, the first step is always like understanding how much you need to be focused on these strategies. So if you are talking about medical content, financial content, legal content, of course, you need to be thinking about this. But if, you know, if you do fall into that that kind of category, you want to be disclosing why your authors can be trusted, why your brand can be trusted. Uh, what are the credentials of the people who are providing this content? If you're an e-commerce website, you want to make it very clear that people can trust, you know, making a purchase from your website. It's very easy to return products. They have good customer service. So all these things are actually really good for user experience as well. So they're not like controversial recommendations. Um, but sometimes you kind of have to like go the extra mile to disclose a little bit more information about who's behind the content than you otherwise would have. If you're confused on whether a post or an article should have an author for EEAT versus being written by a brand, this next section helps clear up whether Google wants to see the name of the author on brand posts and articles. Yeah, that's, um, you know, Google actually gets into those specifics in the quality guidelines a bit. There's There's many examples of why a company might choose to write something on behalf of the brand, or in some cases, even like authors don't want to disclose their name online for like safety reasons, for example, mm -hmm. and use pseudonyms and things like that. So Google actually gets pretty granular about what they recommend to do in those cases. But more often than not, especially when you're dealing with your money or your life topics, uh, Google does want to see the name of the author because there's a lot of different efforts that are happening in organic search. If you kind of read between the lines and you look at a lot of Google's different products to understand who the author is. 
this is pretty controversial in the SEO space because Google won't tell you, oh, you know, being this author is going to make you rank better. Like they won't say that directly. What they will say is, you know, we see that, you know, uh, highly authoritative publications or highly authoritative companies tend to disclose who's on their leadership team, who's writing the content, why they can be trusted. So this is kind of the caliber that we expect if you're going to be talking about these topics. So, you know, it's it's not always necessary to list author names. I think many brands get away with saying this is written by our staff. But in those cases, I always recommend like talk about the editorial process that your staff is using and kind of give that transparency to the user. In this section of the podcast, Lily talks about semantic SEO and topical clusters and how different keywords and queries that your brand might be missing because you're not being seen as a full authority because you're not covering all of these topical clusters, how this can affect EEAT. Yeah, these are pretty big buzzwords in the SEO space with a lot of different thinking behind how you define it. Um, I think the main takeaway is that for search engines and users to consider your site and your brand an expert or an authority on something, they're going to want to see that you touch on all the relevant you know, entities that an expert in that field might talk about. So a lot of SEO is just making sure you're covering all the bases with like providing information, trustworthy resources that show the user and the searcher that like you have answered those questions on your site. So it's not enough just to say like, I am an expert. It's you want evidence that you can write on all those different expert topics. So a lot of the SEO, the semantic focused SEO strategy is just like, what are the different entities that an expert in this field might focus on? What are the the connected entities and sub entities and things like that? How are we all, how are we going to link them together and create this kind of, you know, you can kind of visualize like the, the, um, an entity map of what an expert might talk about in their field. If you're interested to know how AI content affects the EEAT framework, Lily goes into that right here in this section. Yeah, it's, it's all changing, right? Because, you know, especially with, with ChatGPT, like everyone has access to tools that can help you make a really like kind of simple encyclopedic page on a given topic, right? It's like, here's all the questions people want answered. Here's all the generic boilerplate information that answers all those questions. So I feel like the past maybe 10 years of SEO, a lot of us have been doing that, just making sure we're hitting on all the different topics. What Google's looking for now is really like, what sets your content apart from competitors? What's the original perspective that you have in your content that I didn't find on all these other pages? Because again, especially with like ChatGPT, we can all tomorrow go publish a page about five things to know if you had a heart attack, right? It's like (laughs) that information is already there. You can spin it in a million different ways. What isn't there is a cardiologist who's been working on this for 20 years and his perspectives that he might want to contribute to the article. So a lot of the work that we do with our clients is like, how can we work with legitimate experts and people with experience to kind of add something new and interesting to the article, which I really think is what Google's looking for now. So would you see um, case studies and uh, also fitting into that piece as well as being very relevant and uh, just going to be for that brand, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything anything that's like a original research, original piece of data, Statistic, uh, yeah. statistics, like that's, that's the hardest part. You know, a lot of, a lot of like, working with our clients, it's like the easy part is to create boilerplate content on any topic. 
the hard part is what what do we have that's original research that sets us apart from competitors? So nowadays, it's more important to when you create a piece of content, think about what is what are the data and insights that your company has that can make this article different than the other articles. So for example, when I write about Google's core updates, I don't just take what Google said about the core update and write my own article saying, this is what Google said, right? Which a lot of people do. I analyze as much data as I can get my hands on and start to identify patterns and then share, this is what I think might be happening. Yeah, and those articles tend to do very well, even if they're not 100% factually accurate, it's speculation, you say it's speculation. Yep. And Google likes that. So I think that we're, you know, there was a lot of uh, backlash in the past few years against Google because they weren't showing as much like, you know, like Reddit threads or whatever, where people are actually really sharing personal experience. And I think especially with the rise of AI content, they're just going to continue to double down on content that's actually like unique and original. So in this part of the interview, I asked Lily, how does Google's NLP or natural language processing uh, Google Cloud uh, affect EEAT and if it does at all, because this NLP connects Google entities. So I wanted to get her opinion on what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like at the very least important to understand what Google is capable of with some of these tools, like understanding what their NLP tools can do and what they look like. You know, they have some free demos and everything that you can use on their site just to like... <laughs> Just to know that Google has this technology, which they're probably showing the public a very basic version of what they actually use with their own algorithms, right? right. Um, but it, it really helps to understand that SEO is not just about repeating the same target keyword or variants of that keyword over and over. They have very sophisticated understanding of natural language, and it's getting exponentially better with things like AI and what they're doing with BARD and everything. So, you know, just, just to... There's a lot of different applications for these tools. There's you can use it directly on Google. Um, there's a lot of uh, SEO tools that that leverage this technology as well. But using the tools to understand like what are the missing entities on the page? How can I make this a little bit more readable? You know, what's the sentiment on this page? Is it kind of is the message being conveyed the way that I want it to? It's an important exercise because I personally believe that a lot of this EEAT stuff is not necessarily just saying you're an expert or even in the content saying, I'm an expert, so this and this. It's about the way that the expert writes, of course, yeah. right? Like <laughs> a legal expert is going to have a certain style of writing that demonstrates they're a legal expert and that really can't be faked. So if you're curious if FAQ schema might possibly help with the EEAT algorithm, then your curiosity aligns with ours. We asked this question to Lily and this is her response. Yeah, I've actually loved FAQ schema since it first came out. I wanna say like 2018 or 2019. It's always been a, kind of a secret weapon that we use with our clients. I guess it's not so secret anymore, but no. um, it's pretty widespread. But um, FAQ schema is cool because it's one of the few rare types of rich results that Google like gives organic listings that really kind of expands the the presence in the search results. Um, it also it allows you to include links in the answers, which is really exciting. But of course, like everything in SEO, it's heavily overused and misused in the years, in the past few years. So they did have to dial it back a bit. In fact, I think uh, there's fewer FAQ results appearing on Google in the last like 
few weeks uh, yeah. on mobile results. So they're always kind of testing how much they show it because a lot of people have kind of spammed it. But I do think like, you know, if it's used the way that it's supposed to be used, which is actually answering legitimate questions and helping the user, of course, it can help with EEAT because it's it's actually providing a good user experience. But I don't think it's uh, something where you could say like, it's a ranking factor to have a right, right, schema. Right. It's just something that enhances user experience. So, would you would you also say that it helps Google better understand what the page is about? I think so. Yeah, I think it makes it, it helps Google have the questions and answers about the topic in a very digestible format. And it's, <laughs> I mean, Google probably likes the fact that a lot of people click on the FAQ answers directly on Google and get what they need. Right. right? So <laughs> I think Google likes it for that reason. If you're curious about same as authorship schema and connecting other bios, articles, and posts from an author on third-party sites, and what effect this has to the EEAT framework, then listen to this section of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So um, this has been a big focus of, of mine and my teams for a couple of years. Uh, I think it was 2019 that I wrote an article for Search Engine Journal about um how to like use schema for to improve at the time it was EAT now it's EEAT um author schema is kind of the most obvious place to go if you want to demonstrate good experience and expertise through your through structured data so what you can do is build out robust author profiles to start like i always recommend having the authors on their own dedicated page whenever possible and then you can use structured data both on the author page as well as like the byline whenever the author's listed on a certain article. And the more information you can feed the structured data, the better. This is also a controversial thing in the SEO space. A lot of people don't think that Google does anything with this information, but I think they do. <laughs> I think like, why not try, you know? Um, but you can say same as uh, the different social media profiles that they have, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. Muckrack, like anywhere they've been mentioned, Wikipedia. And what that does, because so many authors share common names, is it just kind of disambiguates that that's the person that Google thinks it is. So Google's doing a lot right now with like article or author um, like callouts in the search results. If you search for an author's name, you might see a little carousel of all the content that they've recently written across different publications. If you're using structured data correctly, they can then say, oh, we know for a fact that this is the same Lily Ray that wrote across these different publication. So that's helpful when you have a very common name. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question on this. Um, so let's say you have an author who is in a podcast, right? And is an appearance on another site, but maybe that podcast doesn't link back to them. Um, can we use it just with the mention, with mentions uh, of that author in, in conversations and mark it up that way? Yeah, I mean, the the more you can do to make things clear, the better, you know, like whether right. it's structured data, like mentions this person or, um, you know, there's a lot of talk around Google, like being able to understand unlinked mentions and right. just like understanding context. I think there's probably many examples when they see an author name in a sentence that's not linked and they understand it's that same person that they know from other places. But um, the more you can do to just make it clear and transmit like very clear signals about who the person is, the, the less confusion there will be for Google. So if you're curious how internal links play a part in connecting Google entities and the EEAT framework, then you're going to want to listen into this section of the episode. Yeah, internal links continue to be 
probably the one of the most effective and most underutilized uh, assets, like in the SEO and our tools in our toolbox, right? Because you can always go into an article and add more and better internal links. Google recently put out a, a article two or three weeks ago about best practices for linking, both internal and external linking, and they they went pretty granular in terms of like what they want to see with the anchor text. And personally, I love selecting anchor text uh, as like, you know, helping both the user and the search engine understand the context of what the link is all about. You know, too many SEOs for too long just understood anchor text is a ranking factor. So let's just highlight, you know, the unnatural sounding like keyword that we care most about a million times over, which led Google to then saying there's an over optimization penalty if you're if you're optimizing things in an unnatural way. So now it's like, how can you highlight the link text that provides the most context about what the page is about? And in some cases, that's just like a verb or an adjective or an adverb or whatever. Um, but it's fun. That's a really like fun and helpful way for to create uh, more context for your site. So I think, I don't know if it's necessarily an EEAT play as much as just like a best practice for SEO, but it's also very helpful for for users and for visually impaired users as well who use screen readers. So if you're curious how off-page signals like reviews and ratings affect the EEAT framework, such as places like the BBB or the Better Business Bureau as it's better known, or Yelp, then in this section, Lily is going to answer just that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, when Google first started uh, publishing about EAT at the time and um, this notion that search quality evaluators should evaluate the trustworthiness of brands. Um, if you read the search quality guidelines, they actually mention, you should go look at the BBB reviews of this company. You should look at the Yelp reviews. So then a lot of SEOs ask the question, well, does that mean that having you know five stars on Yelp or having an A in the Better Business Bureau, does that, will that like impact my rankings directly? And then Google said no. So it's this constant thing with, EAT or EEAT, where it's never a direct, like you're, you shouldn't expect that when you fix your Yelp rating or whatever, that you're necessarily going to see a ranking boost directly from that. But you have to uh, remember, Google has a lot more signals than just Yelp and the Better Business Bureau. They're looking at very large scale patterns across many, many different places, maybe even beyond what we can even think, right? Like Google owns so many products. For all we know, Google could be taking pictures of things on the street with Google Lens. You know what I mean? It's like, the, there's so much data, we can't yeah. even comprehend what they're using. So those things are important, but don't think about it as like, oh, I have to go fix my Better Business Bureau rating because it's going to improve my SEO. Think about legitimately fixing problems with your business, and hopefully those things will get translated into Google's understanding of your trustworthiness. So if you want to know how your backlinks from referring domains, these off-page signals are affecting EEAT, then this section is where you want to listen in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Google has said on record that uh, PageRank, which is their patented system for understanding links on the internet, is something that can actually directly play into their evaluations of how authoritative a site is. It's actually the probably the only direct ranking factor that Google has labeled as like part of EEAT, and most specifically um, authoritativeness. So a lot of SEOs will tell you, oh, well, it's only the links. Links are the only thing that matters. <laughs> it's like, well, 
that's the only one they confirmed. Doesn't mean they don't have other thousands of other signals that they're likely looking at. But links are very important. Absolutely. You know, like the the New York Times doesn't link to just anybody. The Mayo Clinic doesn't link to just anybody. Uh, so if you are linked to from those places, Google knows you're probably legitimate because those sites can't risk linking to not trustworthy brands or organizations. So, you know, depending on what category your business is in, you do want to think about what are ways that we can get those very trusted links to relevant places on our site. You know, it's not just a matter of like getting all the high authority links as much as possible, but it's like, I don't know if you're a stem cell website, is there, <laughs> I used to work with a stem cell uh, client. If you're a stem cell website, what are the most trusted organizations in your field? And are they mentioning you? It doesn't right. have to be the New York Times, but it should probably be the stem cell board, you know, whatever. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides SEO benefits with each and every podcast guest interview. Are you ready to boost your keyword rankings in local search while being seen as an expert? This is all possible when you appear as a guest on podcasts where the audience matches to your message. If you're ready to take your link building to the next level, then visit us at interviewbookers.com. In this section of the podcast, I ask Lily about what she sees as the upcoming events for EEAT in 2023 and what we should be looking out for. Yeah, it's a it's a very exciting year. I think uh, none of us in the SEO space could have anticipated this much excitement and and you know, as many new developments and happening as quickly as they are. Um, the AI and EAT conversation is very complex. There's a lot of strong opinions. Uh, Google came out maybe two months ago and finally told us their stance on AI content, which is effectively that it's it can be fine. Um, a lot of people think they probably can't even detect all of it at this point, which is probably true. But, of course, there's absolutely ways to misuse it. There's ways to use AI content that are completely consistent with what Google has been calling spammy auto-generated content that violates its quality guidelines for years. Like, this is not new. Right. So I'm already seeing a lot of examples of sites that are just using chat GPT content without any oversight. They make it very obvious that they're not editing the content, which is frustrating, right? Because, I mean, it was unavoidable, but now there's probably millions of new pages in the last several months that are just unregulated, unedited, factually incorrect AI-generated content. And there's probably many, many examples of it working. There's probably a lot of people making a lot of money off of it. But, you know, with any other pattern of spam at scale, Google tends to get smarter and tends to change its algorithms to adjust for that because it doesn't provide a great user experience. So if you're using AI tools in a way that can produce authoritative content, you should be fine. I personally use ChatGPT at this point all day, every day. I'm not using it for content creation. I'm using it for all kinds of different things. Um, but I agree. Google probably can't catch all of it. But, you know, when you're writing about heart attacks, you should probably avoid ChatGPT. <laughs> probably talk to a doctor, you know? <laughs> right. So you want to reach out to Lily. You want to actually hire Amsev Digital as an agency, or you want to specifically talk to Lily about how she could be a great speaker at one of your events or conferences, 
or just reach out to Lily. In this section, we get right into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do a lot of different things. Our agency does a lot of different things. So pretty much there isn't a single SEO like problem or challenge that we haven't uh, handled effectively. I'm, I'm really proud of our team at Ampsiv. Um You can Google my name. My name's Lily Ray. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to get in touch with me. I have a website, lilyray.nyc. I'm on Twitter, lilyraynyc. Twitter DMs are a great way to get in touch with me or LinkedIn or whatever. Um, but the agency, we're called Amsiv Digital. So it's Amsiv, A-M-S-I-V-E, uh, digital.com. And again, we do all kinds of SEO. We do a lot of other things besides SEO, but very excited about um, some of the new offerings that we have. Like we are very focused on EEAT audits. Uh, we are doing a lot of speaking engagements. Lately, I've been going into rabbit holes with Google Discover, which I'm really excited about and doing some audits there as well. So anything that you need for SEO, we can probably help with. All right. Hear that team? Hear that listeners? <laughs> so um Thank you so much for being on the call today. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to talk with you soon. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. If you've enjoyed this episode with Lily Ray of Amsiv Digital, we invite you to go to the show notes and click on the links and visit Lily's profiles. Are you ready to break through and accelerate how you learn SEO? Then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date. This is the EMJ SEO Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.